We live in a fast-paced world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles. But thanks to Newsly, you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read. By utilizing AI technology, a natural human voice reads you the news, helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently. Newsly provides the latest news updates 24-7, letting you browse articles from topics you choose. It even has podcasts, including ours. And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first 30 days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. everyone and welcome to another episode of rabbit holes another lovely week upon us everyone we've got sarah as always here with me and our special guest today brad starks all right guys we're gonna get things uh moving along here quick because we got so much to talk about today so first of all we got a couple community announcements uh, Maui on stage has got the Wizard of Oz, the deleted scene, opening May 14th at the historic Eau Theater. All right, more details to come. And learn how to buy tickets by visiting MauiOnStage.com. That's MauiOnStage.com. Plus, we've got an announcement from the Office of Hawaiian Affairs, Employment Opportunities, the Office of Hawaiian Affairs is undergoing a reorganization that prioritizes our beneficiaries, their needs, and the communities we serve. This includes a restructuring of staff and services. OHA is currently recruiting executive leaders, managers, and other professional staff to serve the Lahui. Great opportunity for employment. Sure, some good benefits with that too, guys. So go ahead and check them out at oha.org jobs. Get one job, bro. All right, guys, so lots of news and crazy stuff going on in the world today. So I'm going to kick things off, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, a local thing here, and then we're going to dive into the crazy of the rest of the world. Um, big announcement, the uh, Waikapu housing plan on Maui is uh, bound to move faster. Um, I guess uh, there's a good partnership going on between uh, 
the uh, county and Atherton, and it looks like they're going to rearrange some things to make some better space, and uh, they said that they could have it going within three years. I mean, this stands to benefit the community because uh, of the school that comes with it, but, uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, apprehension from, you know, those that don't get to get hurt, you know. I mean, there's a lot of support for this. There's positivity on all sides. It's probably the most coming together that, uh, you know, the community has had on, uh, on housing as of late, but we're always a little shy as to the possibility of progress because, you know, there's this constant exchange of like, hey, we, uh, we like build one multi-million dollar home and we swear we're going to build, you know, local homes for people that are affordable um, you know, and then sometimes it just takes forever that for that to deliver. So I'm really just hoping that, you know, it does deliver and, and we're not staring at some long wait list like every other type of housing problem that Hawaiian people face. So I think it's just a matter of we'll see. You know, I'd like to stay positive about it. I, I'd really like to. Um, it, it just it doesn't always work out the best for our people. But uh, there's a lot of. Uh, positivity working for uh, the community on this one and uh, fingers crossed you know I mean I really think that it, it stands a chance but at the same time like we we got to make sure that it's it's going to be right we got to make sure that you know everybody's being looked out for in this and you know I think time will tell and we'll see but ultimately you know I think it's going to be it, it's going to be a jump in the right direction for the community you know, we all wish it could happen sooner, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. All right. So, um, moving along in the news onto the world stage, uh, I guess, uh, Russian influencers are having a hard time getting on social media. They've, uh, they've had uh, their toys taken away, so they, uh, they can't commit their, uh, crazy acts of espionage on the American public anymore. And they took away the porn, right, Brad? Didn't you post that a couple <laughs> like days ago that they also took their porn? I did, I did. There was, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, you know, McDonald's was sort of like leaving. I mean, you had like all of these sort of like uh, companies and stuff like that. And there was a rumor that <laughs> I bought Hook, Line, and Sinker because it came with a screenshot written in Russian from the Pornhub sort of like, uh, you know, thing. And it was just like, it, it was like a Russian announcement of some kind. And, you know, the person who posted it said, oh yeah, they pulled the plug. There's no more porn for them. So, you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Russian no military. Either. You're going to have to no read books. And no porn. Botox, no nothing. <laughs> but no, I, as, as, it, as it turned out, that that was just a rumor. Uh, Pornhub, I think, what? is still operating over there. Yeah, Pornhub doesn't oh, care. They want on, their money. But, hey, you got to understand that uh, the sex worker market is huge in the East. But here's the thing is like the Russians have been invading American pop culture for years posing as American porn. Absolutely. Just ask uh, Donald Trump. He knows. <laughs> the... <laughs> was that <laughs> on was so that, many other levels yeah which wife please which wife oh my god no yeah no bad ter terrible jokes about trump's well women's taste in trump and trump's taste in women all right those kind of go hand in hand but uh speaking of dumpster fires uh truth social 
is up and operating, uh, well, semi-operating. It's uh, Donald Trump's replacement for Twitter. It's called Truth. Truth Social. Yeah, it did. um, I, I signed up. For I signed up for announcements on when it was going to launch because I wanted to see how bad the launch could be because like there's there was never any promises of this being any good because the the first thing that they touted was this is going to be free speech everyone free speech hallelujah and then you get, get there on Twitter or something like, well why? yeah he got deplatformed before the end of oh, his presidency yeah <laughs> for being I, remember, a terrible... I don't know shit when it comes to politics he got kicked off of Twitter so see, he's like I'm... I'm making my own Twitter. I'm kind of glad that you said that you didn't realize that. That tells me like how much like people are good at ignoring the news. But yeah, so so they deplatformed uh, Trump, and so then he was like, "I'm gonna go make my own Twitter with blackjack and hookers, and well, maybe without the blackjack or the Twitter." And so uh, so Truth Social was made, and uh, they announced that they were gonna launch in February. They started signups. For beta access in like late January, um, as an investigative uh, foray into the weird, I will not tell anybody what my screen name is on it because I will say right now I'm catfishing on there. I am not posing as me because someone of my skin color on that app with my points of view, I would be the first digital hanging on that app. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so. Uh, so I'm pretending to be some, you know, Aryan race white kid. I don't post anything terrible. I'm not. I'm not participating in any of the an observer fire. At this I'm point. just. I'm just watching. And from well, and so here's the thing. It, I I got onto the app, but I had to wait three weeks to get on. So once they gave me, they let me sign up, and then they gave me a number, and they were like, "You're eight hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred ninety-three," and I was like, "What?" And so then they're like, yeah, we'll send you a push notification. It's like waiting for your table at Zippy's to be ready. Do you think they're doing that on purpose? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like this new cool. Nope, it is not. It oh, is no, not. It is not. Yeah, do not. Yeah, no. So there is no, there's no, like, this is a cool club. You have to wait to get in type of thing. It's the server load. Can't take this many people. Also, it just, like, it was developed by morons. So it, it has it has no real capabilities outside of just being a, it's a clone of Twitter. That's all it really is. It's a clone of Twitter with less IT support. And then it turns out that even though they said they were going to focus on free speech, they got robots to do the moderation. And there, there's rumors going around that those robots are pretty cheap robots. So the profanity filter on it is like Facebook circa 2002, you know, like not 2002. I'm sorry. Uh, so like 2010. So like when they really like they're trying to like run that filter. But then like even when you set it on low, everything gets cut in your feed. So you just you're better off just leaving your profanity filter off. Then you you know, but that's all internally in the system. Mm-hmm. Unreal, unreal. I mean, uh, you know, when the figurehead uh, that the social media, uh, you know, platform is named after is not posting himself, I mean, it's pretty on brand. I mean, it's just sort of another way in which folk who you know don't mind eating runny brown excrement, which is not chocolate that comes out of uh, Donald Trump's mouth twenty four seven. Uh, oh yeah, and no. Republicans just sort of come in behind and put it into a, an ice cream cone and call it, you know, ice cream. Um, I'm surprised that they were even <laughs> able 
to somewhat handle sort of like the explosion in their face of like that first week because it was bad, well, right? right? I but see, I don't think that there's actually like a million people on there because I like I I do my you know social media deep dive shit and I went looking at yeah. it and it's like there are hundreds if not thousands of blank bot profiles on there because people are like people are already trying to buy in because there's no security. It has no security. So like there's like speaking of Pornhub, there's like a hundred fake Pornhub accounts. They haven't posted anything because it looks like there might be a, I don't know if there's an anti porn filter on it yet because I've already seen some very questionable, like tub girl level things on the internet. Like for those of you out there who know what a blue waffle is, yeah, that's the worst. Of you, that's the least of your problems on True Social. So don't no don't Sarah don't look it up Sarah. You don't want to know. I saw you pick up that phone. Stay pure, Sarah. Stay. No, no. You know what? I gotta, but I gotta tell you. You know that's 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 some like college level internet shit right there. But you don't. I the only reason why I'm saying it on air is because you know what? Recently. Uh, there was a STEM education team that actually called themselves the Blue Waffles, and then they won, and then they got like a tech grant for their school or something. And everybody, and it was funny because like they're like these zenial kids. But anyways, back to yeah, nobody probably knew because they were like me, like Blue Waffle. That's cute. Yeah, Waffle don't. Anti, if you're listening, don't look it up. I swear, it's not worth it. <laughs> That's my PSA for the day. <laughs> my mom That's is like right funny. now, and I like. Ah, oh, no, no, it's not even a, oh my gosh, it's like a, oh, yeah. no. I might have to beep over that noise, I don't know, does anybody want to hear the ASMR of me making throw up noises, if that convinces you enough not to look it up, okay, alright, this was, this was before two girls, one cup, alright, you gotta, you gotta know, oh, the, no, this was and scary. that was just, yeah, oh. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I, you know, and I and I never watched what? that video. I watched the Kermit the Frog reacts to that video video, and that was enough for me. I that, saw that and it scarred me for life. So now I know if it's that bad or worse than that, then I don't need to see it. I never need to well, Google that. You know, but yeah, never mind. You know, so think so think of all the crazy that you could see on like a dumpster fire app that is owned <laughs> by Trump. Um, that is not like I. I've seen weird so far. I've seen like hentai furry weird stuff. But oh. then but then the crazier part is where it comes from because it's from this there's this self-hating uh well they say they are. For all I know it's a catfish account because half mm-hmm. of them are. Like the only person that's verified a real person on there is Donald Trump and Kyle Rittenhouse who's now like the influencer of fucking Gilead creating oh you know, memes of himself crying. He's recording brand new memes of him crying like he did in court. Oh my god. That's gosh. what he's doing on there. Yeah. He's literally giving America the middle finger. This he seriously at that right there tells me he shot those people in cold blood. He's gloating. Yeah. Yeah, he's- no, that's what he is. Yeah. He made he made a meme of himself holding up uh, a gas pump gun while crying exactly like he did in court when he was trying to get off the hook. Oh, and then it's a meme about Biden. So mad. Yeah, that's worse than Kanye. I'm going to let Kanye slide on artistic integrity there alone. Kyle Rittenhouse is a piece of shit, though. Can we talk about 
talk about Kanye though too and what he has been up to lately? Oh my God. You know, and I keep promising myself that we'll try to keep a PG-13 around here, but then words like Kyle Rittenhouse come out of my, 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 my mouth <laughs> and I have to follow it with expletives. I cannot help it. He, no, he was terrible, terrible. So they, yeah, so he's the star of Truth Social because like half of everybody's accounts doesn't work. Like the account that I'm, I'm sitting on there. Oh, and then the other crazy part is everybody follow for follows. So unless, oh. so unless you're an influencer oh. who's smart enough to not follow anybody back, save for like your friends, everybody, it's like the first day of a brand new college. Everybody's like, hey, want to join my club? And so then everybody is in everybody's feed, and that's breaking their algorithm if they even have one. So that's, you know, I'd say keep a lookout on it. Uh, is it worth it to go in and get, you know, download the app? I mean, if you want to have more reasons to be disappointed in America, I guess. But, like, if you don't believe me, go check it out. I, I fully suggest it. Go check it out. If, what do if, you think? You think it's going to get big? You think it's going to be, like, the new I Twitter? I do or? not. I do not. Because functionally, it can't do it. Tech-wise, it's not powerful enough. And look at what happened to all the other, all the other like, crazy alt-right apps that they've been creating. Like, they keep falling. So, yeah. like, the only thing that's really held is Telegram, and that's, like, now home to freaking QAnon numerology. And, and speaking of QAnon numerology, uh, new front woman in the force of uh, the out there to, she's going with the all. She's, she's the one who's gone with the all. Tulsi Gabbard is now uh, spouting... Uh, uh, Ukraine uh, conspiracies and uh, yeah yeah what this is this is someone with a security clearance folks and now she's just jotting around town like tinfoil hat throwing cats at everybody and just be like no don't throw the cats so what is she saying so uh, Brad have you been following uh, Tulsi's turn to the dark side at all uh yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, since, um, you know, the last appearance she had on Meet the Press, I think it was like about two weeks ago. Uh, oh, right before yeah, CPAC, she, yeah. Yeah, she's gone berserk. <laughs> she's gone berserk. She's calling for Mitt Romney to resign uh, for Senate after uh, he called her out for her treasonous lies that she that she was sharing sort of like on that, um, you know, on that program that afternoon or that morning, uh, that Sunday morning. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Tulsi Gabbard, man, she, ugh, I, I'll tell you, I mean, like initially when I when I sort of like started to read her back through like five years ago. I thought she was cool, and I was excited to see somebody, you know, who's in, uh, you know, D.C. out there, you know, representing, uh, you know, the folk out here. But, man, I mean, then you start to read some of the backstory and some of the things she said about, you know, that she's, that she's said <clears throat> on camera about LGBTQ people. I mean, it's just. What she's is she pandering. I don't know what she said. What she said. Oh, saying. seriously. Oh. Mm. Go ahead, tell her, Brad. Yeah. Well, 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 I mean, and her father, her father, I think, you know, has, has a whole lot to kind of do with, with a lot of the uh, stances that she's taken on, on some of these things. But Absolutely. Uh, I mean, most, um, most recently, um, you know, she, she and, uh, let me see, Tucker Carlson and uh, three other uh, top Republicans, you know, they're literally taking video clips and, you know, Russian news is using them for all of like the propaganda stuff. Yep. I mean, it's, 
it's it's gotten to that point. I mean, I, I remember the day like when, you know, Republicans, you know, were against the Red Scourge and commies and kind of like all this thing. And by God, I mean, it is completely a different story. I mean, if if you're not backing Putin and you're not giving uh, a 25 or 30 minute dissertation at a white nationalist event, you know, you're not even going to be in the running, you know, for, uh, for, for, for any of the upcoming elections. I mean, it's just sad. It's just really, really sad. Well, I think it's destroying the center. I mean, we now have no – we're like – it's crazy to think that Mitt Romney's the center and he's the voice of reason. Exactly. And he's being tagged. Exactly. What crazy alternate 1985 tangent have we gone on here, Doc? I mean, yeah, you like, got to get in that DeLorean. Biff uh, Tannen's in the White House, man. <laughs> no, and then it's the crazy part is so then you have things like what's going to like you have a turncoat Democrat, you've got uh, you've got a crazy new social media platform. Kyle Rittenhouse has gotten out of you know he just got his two get out of jail free cards there, and he's about to go. He's passing go, collecting $200, and he's about to instantly land on Park Place and Boardwalk and buy out everything. Like, I really think, mark my words right now, you know what? I could probably make predictions that will come true, unlike QAnon. Maybe that's what I should have. I should create a Nostradamus-like segment where we, we can make fun of everything dumb that QAnon said that has not come to fruition and everything that I've learned from uh uh, progressive psychological models and marketing, I could guess what's happened and probably have a higher rate of accuracy than some guy on uh, 8chan or whatever he's on these days. Make it subscription only so you can make some money off of it. I know. Oh, well, you know what? The crazy part is there's like five people who tried to pose as Q on like the first day of True Social and everybody's like, nah, he's not going to be here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, hmm. Uh, the crazy hits just continue, though. So I guess we've got a uh, a COVID surge in China right now. And I know some of you out there are like, oh, I thought it was over. And it's like, guys, um, they kind of announced like eight months ago that it was endemic. And so I don't know if you understand that when we pandemic is a current state of emergency. Endemic means it's here to stay. So we're now going to have COVID seasons just like we have flu seasons. All right. And so then we have a huge problem on coverage in COVID right now because people are burnt out on it. So because the media is not covering it enough, we will cover it, even though half the audience is totally done with it. But it needs to be covered because it's important because it's World Health News. So whether you're anti-vax or not, the facts are clear. It's making around again. It's endemic. We're now in one of the first big outbreaks of the year now that it's like now just like the flu how many how many seasons of the flu are you used to now this is now just to add to the list and it is going to pick it mankind until we learn our lesson so you can uh wear your crazy tinfoil hat and scream from the mountaintops i i guess they're saying now there's a bunch of uh anti-vactors that are saying that there are tiny micro blades inside of the vaccine and that's what kills you is that they're giving you they they, they yeah they're putting shrapnel in our bodies and it's like guys oh, no. yeah no and no so um guys there's nothing wrong with vaccine I've actually I've I've had both both boosters and then the the third extra one and that was just more so the fact that I've got a kid in my life right around the corner from me so it's just like it's you know like you do and then and then you got to interact with society 
The, these were yeah. made for a very specific reason. Look at how well it eradicated polio. Look what it's done to measles, mumps, and rubella. All right. The only reason that it's endemic instead of caught is because our vaccination rate wasn't high enough. Mutation occurred because yeah. because vaccination rate wasn't high enough. This whole modern conspiracy of how like everybody thinks they got a biology degree. I'm going to be the first to say that I do not, but I will tell you this that uh, I did spend enough time in uh, high school, junior college, and in college, and in enough conservation programs to tell you what these things can do. So um, it's it, it's funny to think that something is tried and true as vaccinations are under fire because reality is under fire. I mean, it goes back to Truth Social. It goes back to our, our Russian Instagrammers. I mean, it even goes to Tulsi. It's kind of our 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 hidden theme of this segment is is disinformation everywhere, and we're still in it. And it's and it's going to be pretty bad. And speaking of uh, disinformation, I would love some thoughts about this next subject from Brad. Um, so... Uh, the world's finally talking about what's inside of Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay, um, it was discussed some time ago that Hunter Biden's laptop was found. Uh, it had some compromising material on it, but that's only what the news extrapolated, and then the far right turned around and treated it like that there was a cover up. And so, what's really funny about the extreme right is that when you start investigating something and you don't have an immediate answer, they claim cover up, whereas like it's uh. How many years past due on Trump's taxes? Thank you. It's how many years past due on Trump's taxes, and he hasn't been properly investigated for shit on any of that. And he threw America's economy under the bus, and we're still feeling it. And now all of the morons out there think that this is all the side effect of, you know, Biden's COVID regime and his crazy fucking, you know, secret with Ukraine or whatever, like all this QAnon nonsense is pissing me off. People need to start paying attention. People need to just show up. There's a lot just going on in the public view that you don't even need like television news to tell you half the time. Just show up and locally engage and you can hear about things from your doctors and your politicians firsthand, you know? So, but anyways, Hunter Biden's laptop, they finally went through it and guess what they found in it guys. What did they find? He pays his taxes. Well, he pays his taxes late, but he pays his taxes. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. That's it. That's, and they're taking this nothing as a something. So I, I, I read what was, uh, what was made available to the public. Um, New York Times covered it. And then the funny part is, is like all over True Social and far right Twitter, they're all like, oh, the New York Times article is going to blast Biden away because it proves that Hunter Biden's been hiding, blah, 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 blah. And you're, then you read the emails and they're all within the confines of standard political jargon. He made no promissory notice of his power connection with his father. He would occasionally refer to his father with a special moniker as my guy, so that way he's not always going to implicate the president-elect. But generically looking over the word salad that he exchanged, like those are things he could have said over a telephone and a wiretap would have never known. Those are things that like the way that it said, it's, it's standard backdoor lobbying. It's someone has access to a person of power, a person of clout, and they manage that access. So he hasn't done anything that the Republican Party hasn't done in spades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, oh, yeah. except for one thing, pay his taxes. 
Well, yeah, I mean, and in essence, you know, that let's use that phrase that they love to uh, use so much. Uh, in essence, it is a total nothing burger. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's literally the equivalent of, um, you know, Al Capone's vault being opened by Aroldo Rivera. And, you know, here it is. We're inside, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and there's not, you know confiscated millions and millions of, uh, you know, stockpiled money. It's actually uh, a birthday card and uh, a basketball photograph of him, of him, like when he was like in, uh, you know, in junior high, nothing. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, unfortunately, that's kind of what um, the, the GOP and the Republican Party has become. I mean, we were having a conversation a couple of days ago. It's just like, where can you really find a true conservative now outside of Mitt Romney of all people? It's just the world is turned upside down. It's crazy. What do you, what do you think? What, what, what do you think, Sarah? What do I think? I don't, actually don't really have anything to say on this, on this, on this matter. Well, I think it's about time to call for a commercial break there. We'll be back in just a moment, guys, after these messages. Moving forward. When you don't vote, what you're really doing is letting somebody else take power over your own life. You wouldn't give your grandmother the power to decide what clothes you wear to the club. You wouldn't give your crazy uncle the power to post a picture to your Instagram feed. So why would you give a stranger the power to make far more important decisions in your life? Voting is the only way to ensure that your concerns matter. Period. Moving forward. We are back from our little commercial break there. We got uh, Mr. Brad Starks with us here today. Um, and, um, you know, wow. Like, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of crazy news going on in the world right now. Um, but I think there's a lot of what we're missing on what we can fix by starting, like, the biggest struggle at home. And for me, as a fiscal responsible type of person, um, I think that there's not enough being done by business owners and corporations to do their fair share part. And we've, we've managed to convince the working class to eat itself alive. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. I think, I mean, we we're how do you survive in an economy with pay raises and minimum wages that are behind the times? Uh, you know, how do you move ahead when you have to work a hundred hours a week at what you think is a minimum wage job, which is actually below the cost of uh, a below the cost of living job, and and, and you're never going to have space to live up to your potential. You're not going to have space for the next job. You're not going to have space to save money because I don't think that a lot of people are doing the real equation right now. I mean, there are people that are going to come out of the woodwork and give this bootstrap conversation of well if you didn't if you didn't have avocado toast and you weren't on the netflix and, and you didn't have a, a silly phone or you just you know i got me a dumb phone well you're a dumbass 
Um, most of us need a real cell phone to actually have a job. You want you want anything better than an entry level position, and you don't have a smartphone? I'm sorry, but like all the best jobs I've ever had on set have to do with the fact that I have an expensive ass iPhone that can scan documents and allow me to essentially be a paralegal on the fly. Uh, you can't do that with a dumb phone. So uh, that like just the difference in having the dumb phone versus a real smartphone makes like forty thousand dollars a year on your salary. So you're gonna you're like you're gonna tell people not to have the best resource that would actually get them out of work. So I think what our conversation here today really needs to like have a, a discussion of is like okay where where is corporate America teaching uh, employable America to shame working class America to shame itself? Where is the older generations not understanding that inflation has occurred far more? You know, because we have a huge detachment right now of we have a huge detachment of people not understanding that, like, yeah, their house that they've got locked in at their rate that they complain about that's too damn high or whatever. But even though they bought the house 20 years ago in a market that was ripe for the picking. So you have boomers or older people who bought their house when it was like four hundred thousand dollars, six hundred thousand dollars. And they're like, well, how come you can't afford a house? You know? And it's like, bro, a house is $3 million. Like, where, yeah. whereas, you know, like, you yeah, only had yeah. to come up. Yeah. And, and, and then the gap and they're not understanding the, the major plateau that hourly wages have gone on. So that's, I mean, it's crazy to think that, like, if you really sit down and think about it, like, the minimum wage almost didn't go up for, like, 10, 15 years. Oh, I remember when that whole thing was going on and people were trying to push for that minimum wage and it didn't even go up that much. Right? No, it didn't. By the time that it went up, it was too late. And right now in Hawaii, it's too late. Your average job is paying 15 to $20 an hour and the cost of living is about $19.36. That means at the end of every hour you work, if you're at least making $20 an hour, you're not even taking home that 70 cents because it's going to get lost in your taxes. So please tell me now why it makes sense. Brad, you've been a little silent over there. What what are your thoughts on the matter? I mean, we we have kind of a, a current issue with uh, employers just not thinking of the future and morale of their employees. Where do you see that? Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely one of those things where they feel it's cheaper to literally, as you said at the top, you know, let them eat themselves, you know, let them scramble over, you know, trying to make these little drips and drabs that, uh, you know, you can't uh, keep food on the table, can't pay your rent. Uh, you know, there you, you endlessly have to come up, you know, with, with lots of side hustles. And, you know, don't even get me started on how women aren't even paid equally you know, to what men are in, in you know what, speaking of that, there was an amazing thing. I don't know how much time you spend on Twitter, but there's actually a women's pay gap bot that was made in response to uh, world women's month. Cause you know, like we were like, Oh yay. Women, women's day, sisterhood, all that stuff. And so then all of these corporations were trying to like corporate wash themselves by like tweeting yay women's day. And so then these guys made a, these people made a bot on Twitter, and what it does is the second that your company tweets hashtag Women's Day 2022 or whatever, 
it looks up your company's status on how well it pays women and then retweets your message that you just tweeted and then tells everybody the truth. And I went through, I scrolled through their retweets for about, I want to say like 40 minutes. And I only found like three businesses that equally pay women. And I only found like two businesses, two or three businesses that pay women more. But they're obviously like fields where like nurses, women are going to get paid more because there tends to be more women nurses depending on your locale. So like the, it was very surprising to see at how many, uh, people deleted their tweets. How many corporations deleted their tweets right afterwards? Cause they're like, fuck this bot, this bot serving us up hot and it's, it's dropping the tea. Yeah, yeah. So I I now follow that bot on Twitter. That's a bot to follow. I can get behind What's the bot? Do you know what the uh, bot is? Yeah, here. Uh, yeah, it's uh. Let's all follow this bot. This bot yeah, is it's the pay gap bot. So uh, yeah, no, absolutely worth it. It's just, I mean, it's crazy. You could scroll through it. The gender k uh, pay gap bot. All right, that's at pay gap app. P a y g a p a p p on Twitter. And uh, any, yeah, you could go through all their tweets and you could see, and it's corporations worldwide. So it's not just America. They're not just tweeting against America. They're tweeting against every country who needs to put up and shut up about it. Cause unless you're like as cool as like Iceland, who could just like everybody walks out and goes, Hey, women's pay. And then they go, yeah, we should do that. And then fixed, you know, whereas America, it's like, no, 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 you don't understand your brain. It's, it's tiny. We still believe in phrenology and other weird shit like that. It's like, come on, guys. Like, I'm tired of this stupid. Like, these are the same stupid excuses that they use on brown people. They've just been using on girls, too. It's just like, we all come from the same cosmic goop. We are all the same sack of meat with brain jelly inside our noggins. Like, there's nothing really separating us except for, like, inbreeding in some cases. But, uh, woof. You know, I, I just don't, uh, I don't get it. I, I don't get where the disconnect is in American society on paying people what they're worth because then you got people who never even owned a small business who are like throwing in their two cents and going just like, but how are they supposed to be able to start their business? And then, so here's, here's something that eats me up about Hawaii is this whole conversation about training wages. So if there's training wages, is there training rent? What do you mean training rent? Exactly. You know, hey, if you guys are going to pay $14 an hour when you should be paying like 25, then there better be a place to rent that someone who makes $14 an hour because this bullshit of like, well, you got to go find a roommate. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can't keep changing the rules of the economy. We should be bending to the needs of the economy to maintain homeostasis, not turning around and forcing the economy to do terrible things. Because, I mean, it's like we already live in a monopoly of a monopoly. So at the end of the day, a corporation who owns a corporation who owns a corporation who owns a dude who sits on a board tells you to treat your neighbor like shit because they won't pay them more money. That's where America needs to wake up right now is that you have a dark figure behind a dark figure, like real conspiracy level problems. And it's the corporations. It's the people that feed you the Donald Trumps. It's the dull colonial fucking Atherton level bullshit that is going on in America. You have real oligarchs causing problems right here. Foxes in a hen house. And they're happening on both sides. I mean, you've got corporate ones in California that are killing our environment. 
I mean, Mike Levin every other day, man. Hey, let's uh, go take this nuclear waste and find some place to stick it. Oh, Native American land, you say? Don't worry. They're not people. <laughs> so, you know, I, that's that's the thing is like we're losing sight on both sides. It's gotten to a point to where the shaming is occurring on both sides. Do as I say, not as I do is happening on both sides. It's causing a huge extremism of understanding the the the, the cosmos of uh, politics and economy right now. And I feel that America, especially Hawaii, is not engaged enough in understanding what they're owed. And that's the thing is you have to understand what you're owed. There's a supply and demand to the market. So if the housing market says houses cost this much and the food market says food costs this much, then a good business owner has to know that they have to pay that much in order to maintain morale and keep turnover from occurring. But now instead, they're just not doing the math. No, they're not. They're not doing the math. So I'm going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to do a little math questionnaire here. All right. So like, we're just going to run off the fact that like your average person makes 15 to $20 an hour right now in Hawaii. Right. Realistically, if you wanted to be, well, we're going to find out how much you really need to be able to make to be saving for a future and to be able to move up in the world. So I'm going to ask some very simple questions. This is this is not like even big numbers here. We're just going to do a simple walk through the park. So Sarah, what do you pay in rent every month? Twenty three hundred. Twenty three for a two bedroom. Yeah, for a bedroom. Woof. How much do you spend on food every month? Oh, shit. Um. Four hundred, six hundred. At least five hundred. At least five hundred. Yep. Saw that coming. How much do you spend on gas a week? Probably about 80 a week. 80 a week. So that's $320 in gas. Uh, home utilities bill. About how much do you pay for your electricity? I mean, luckily mine's included. But oh, well, typically that, not here. You know, a lot of Well, you're lucky. So is your water included too? Yeah. You so are lucky, it. lucky. All right. So some may be lucky. Let's let's see what this lucky case still gets you. And then so your phone bill. How much your phone bill cost you every month? Oh, gosh. 150 I think. 150 And then the internet? I lucked out on that one and it's included. But I remember when I was paying it my last and that was a good, I think, what, 60, 70 bucks, I think? And that's for like basic internet. So like 60, 70 basic. Well, you know what? Let's just look at we're we're gonna we're gonna skew things in favor of the bootstrappers here and say that this is this is all you need because let's say you already own a car, okay? Let's just play towards that, okay? So we got twenty eight hundred, thirty one hundred and twenty, thirty two hundred and seventy dollars. So about thirty three hundred dollars a month. So um, how often do you ever come to like hitting that number properly with space to breathe? I mean, I'm having to work multiple jobs. So how many hours a week do you do you feel yourself constantly working? You don't turn it off. I set my life up so that I can live my life and constantly work at the same time because that's the only way I feel like anyone could survive living Mm -hmm. here. It's kind of working outside of the box and working various different jobs and being able to do it as you're living your life because I don't know how people make it out here if they don't do that. Exactly. Absolutely. So um, taking that, what you have right there, for you to break even, you'd have to make $20.62 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's just for you to break even. 
That's just yeah. to say that you have zero dollars left in your bank account. So business owners, if you're listening and you have a modicum of respect for your employees, I just read out loud the basic like girl got lucky internet, water, and electricity are included. Yeah. And Most people children if you know like basically life exactly so that's saying that yeah. you don't have netflix that's saying you know because all those bootstrappers will say yeah no and that's the thing is like i didn't even ask for your insurance so responsible adult stuff still hasn't even been completely covered yet and we're at 20 dollars. so realistically in the state of in, in the current state of inflation that we're about to go through and as it increases this we're going to be staring by the time that they approve the $22 an hour in 2024, you're going to need to make $30 or more in the state of Hawaii. How do we solve that? How do wow. we solve that in a world where business owners don't have no money? Cause half of half of the boomer generation never thought about, they, they heard the words turnkey business and then they just showed up. They didn't go, Oh, I need to have three years worth of salary available. You, you ask any new age boomer business owner about how many years of salary they have, they look at you like you're a fucking moron. And then you have to sit there slack jaw and go, how the hell do you have any equity or security in your company? It doesn't make any sense to me. This is why small businesses are not taken seriously. This is why a corporation of a corporation of a corporation owns a monopoly of a monopoly of the entire market. This is why things like Vanguard exist. Because you have a system where you're not educating people enough how to go into business yeah. for themselves. So you yeah. get wonderkins who are occasionally lucky. You know, you have people who learn how to hustle, but then at the end of the day, are they even like, you don't turn it off. So think about that. If you never turn it off, your the value of your dollar goes down every hour that you stay on the clock. So even uh -huh. though you may be making that $22, $23 an hour to pay your bills at minimum, Technically, per the amount of time that you're giving to the job and your client load, oh god, your yeah. your dollar is is like five to ten dollars less than that on the hour because you're spreading it thinner because you mm -hmm. take your work home with you. So yeah, you yeah. showed up to work and you worked eight hours for twenty dollars an hour, but then you went home for four hours and you worked on it. That comes out of your pocket. People don't think about that as breakage, you know, mm -hmm. and that's where the contractor era has kind of screwed over the common worker is because most of you don't understand what it's like to be a contractor. Like I went into to, to contracting as most of my services, whether on set or in the boardroom directly after Disney, right when the first economic collapse occurred. And it was probably the safest thing I could have done. It was, it was either that or go back to college, and I'm very thankful I didn't do that because I didn't end up in debt like most of these other kids. Mm -hmm. So we are – we're at a point of misunderstanding. You have an yeah. entire group of, of people who think that they're just not working hard enough. You have an imposter syndrome. I mean, shit, how many people do you see on TikTok or on Instagram flexing, hey, don't tell me, well, you know – how hard you got it? I work 100 hours a week. And it's like, brah, if you work in 100 hours a week and you only making like pennies, then the shame's on you, bro, because you're wasting your time working for somebody else. You're a slave to that system. Like, if you want to see change in this, you have to start demanding equal pay. That's one thing that separates our generation from two generations who got what they wanted. You have to go out there and ask for it. You have to demand that your pay is commensurate with what the market demands. And the market demands that 
we actually need in order to like save money for a future, you know, especially since most of us are now forced to be contract workers. So who gets a 401k anymore? You are your own 401k now. So that means that like if, if you're your own 401k, you have to make like $40 an hour. And you're, there's a certain point to where it realistically, if you, if you wanted to consider what your life is valued at right now, sit down, anybody who's listening, sit down and equate the value of like your hours spent, how many hours you're working, how much actual time you get against your family and do it as a profit and loss report. Man, treat that's treat your lie. life as a P&L report. Trust me, from a fiduciary perspective, the second that you look at your life as a P&L, you will start doing things right by you. Because then you go, shit, I ain't going to go do that for that so-and-so. That's $50 under what I'm worth. Or that's $30 under what I'm worth. Or at least it's $10 underneath what the market is. So you need to ha- stop letting them convince you that like, oh, well, you know, it's an entry-level job. So we could pay you a dollar an hour training wage. And you're like, okay, I need the opportunity. No. Because you know what? There are just as many jobs out there and just as many people out there that are offering the right thing. Mm-hmm. So that, so don't get clouded in the idea that someone is going to, you know, if you cater to that person, another person's going to cater to that person. And then so on and so on. And that's how you get an entire generation of people that are stuck in a head cannon who don't go talking to their boss, who don't stand up for themselves, who don't, who aren't willing to talk about it on air because every industry is shaming them right now. Uh-huh. But how do we fix that? How do you yeah. so like so? Let's take this from a you know from a working person's perspective. After uh, you know paycheck and bills and working the grind or working five hustles, uh, how how are we supposed to generate wealth in our economy locally? Well, uh, yeah, that is sort of like the age old question. I mean, um, uh, unfortunately, what happens? Um, with our market, which I'm sure happens, you know, which is singular, is that huge shoots from the mainland come here and basically capitalize off, uh, you know, a workforce that is always looking for, you know, a way to get paid within the industry. And the only available gigs that they give out only pay a certain amount. And we're told that, you know, they need to meet a budget and, you know, they can only afford to pay X, Y, and Z. Um, ben, I'm going to interrupt you right there. As someone who's been a production coordinator enough, I know that like 50% of the time, that line right there is bullshit. And that there is a line right, producer. There is a line producer between the people at the top and the people at the bottom. And they go and they figure out a number because they get to skim more off of it if they do. There is a middleman. There is a lot of unnecessary people in this industry. Uh, Some line producers are good, but I have to say that there are a lot of people who get into executive producing just so they could go skim money off the top. And they take all that cream, and then they lead us on an expedition to hell for cheese and crackers. And then they try to tell us, oh, we're filmmakers. Look at you. You're artists. Don't you want to enjoy your art? It's okay. You know, you can choose... You can either you can either be you know you can cash that check or you can be an artist. And the second that they tell you that, kids, that's when you need to walk away, 
because yeah. it, that's some Stromboli level shit. That's the kind of stuff that Stromboli went up to Pinocchio and was like, "You want to come to this island? It's a party, free cigars, guys." And then after like six weeks of cigars and freaking drag shows, you're like, "Oh wow, it's not as cool as it's cracked up to be," you know, because you can't pay your bills. The only way that yeah. you can survive, and then you stay on set because if you if you stop working in the industry, you stop getting crafty. And that's how you've been eating for three weeks is crafty. There are times. No, I got to tell you this. Like I, I, I have means. Okay. I have means in this world. I'm more blessed than some people. I'm not as blessed as others, but I will say this, even as a guy who like has to think about like, you know, other people in my life to support, like how do you disappear for six weeks and still send money home? Oh, yeah, you're going to eat crafty. But then, like, at what point do you, like, start leveraging that in to, like, oh, you know what? I'll take the gig. There's at least going to be good crafty here. People get in those positions where they have to take because there's just no other options, you know? So they kind of have the upper hand where it's either you work in the industry or you don't if you don't take the lower pay. Isn't that terrible, though, to think that, yeah. like, your option is it's to be terrible. exploited? Like, you love the art, but you can only But no, but art. see, that's, no, because here's the thing, and this is why, this is why I'm going to call the line uh, as, as a conservative on art and business. Mm -hmm. We live in a capitalism, okay? Just as much as we live in a democracy, we live in a capitalism. So that requires making money to play ball. This has been established for more than 150 years that this is how the game is played. So shaming artists into thinking that they have no monetary value and making them go through this unnecessary grind just because, oh, maybe the stress will make you a greater artist. No, it'll make you blow out your brains at 27 <laughs> with drugs, alcohol, or women like Heath Ledger did, okay? This is why people explode in the industry. This is why people yeah. explode other places in other industries because we have these unnecessary standards set for that. How how much that this generation has delivered. And by and large, I will have to say, these three youngest generations have to deliver 10 times more than their parents' generation. I mean, and it's and it's such a stark difference. Like, everything from education to money. Money costs, like, 12 times more than it did when our parents were our age. And uh -huh. education is nearly, what is it? See, the exit requirement for, like, class of 74 throughout America, it was less than, like, 80 credits. 80 credits. Graduating class of 2003 from El Camino High School, where I went in California, 240 credits required to exit. And that wasn't extra credit. That was they decided, hey, we're going to put you through hell. Okay? Uh -huh. It is literally definable on a line that there is a generation in charge of us that is dumber than a brick and it's provable on paper because they never had to do anything more than show up for four years of English 101 and they gave them a degree. We're talking about an entire generation that only had to show up for six semesters of PE and they got an AA. And then 20 years passes by and they flip and they go, hey, you guys have to do better than us. I'm totally fine for having to do better, but I don't think that there's anything given from our predecessors that notify us that they understand that the economy's grown, the economy's more expensive, uh -huh. that their lives are secure because they have a house that's 20 years old, because they got it from an economy. It's a time capsule of a good yeah. economy. And dog, or oh, what is that the saying? Can't teach an old dog new tricks? It's like you can't convince them, right? But that's well, what's happening. I think... It has to be done 
I mean, I think that we have to hammer this home. It, it, it has to happen regularly. We need to stop shaming the working class. I mean, the mm-hmm. retail class is what holds the economy together. So yeah. if someone who makes only $20 an hour is coming home with zero left in their pocket, how are they supposed to be able to go out and spend money on local businesses? Yeah. All right? So then that brings me to my next point of the of this deeper conversation is, so, you know, outside of, like, patronizing businesses, you know, and, and, and taking advantage of better jobs, I mean, we're at a point to where, I mean, unemployment's picking up the back end a lot, but then we also have less and less people even claiming unemployment because they're like, unemployment's not going to pay me enough. Uh, work's not going to pay me enough. I'm just going to go hit two rocks together and until I'm a hit on TikTok and hope I get paid. <laughs> it's basically what everybody's doing, right? Yeah. No, I mean... Like, their fingers, something big will happen and get them out of this situation. We're all just hoping. This is, this is why I had to leave you know, client-based marketing because it's it's a flooded market now. Everybody can do it themselves or so they think, or at least there's some guy on Fiverr who's going to buy you bots. And everybody also thinks they're a know-it-all and none of them read the manual. So that's the one thing I will have against our generation and the, like, the two or three around us. Nobody reads the fucking manual. And I can tell you, as someone like, I've had an every, every, every client there's none unscathed from this and that's why like even in cases of just like when communication hits low with some like it's totally it doesn't hurt me or strike me that they've even just like biased themselves to just not respond to anything or just go off into the sunset or whatever and move on is that they didn't read the manual and then you sit there and tell them i read the manual this is what we got to do and they go ah no I like I like using a, a sword as a butter knife. I'm sorry. I I watched this YouTube video and stayed at a Holiday Inn, so now I think I know more than you. Who cares if you went to, like, every keynote speech? And so, I mean, we have kind of a conflict in information. We have a uh-huh. conflict in growth. We have, we have a conflict of opportunity. And it's how do we, how do we create opportunity without just, like, throwing money people? You know, yeah. I mean, or, or at least learning how to throw money at people better. You know, like if there are all of these jobs act subsidies and investors can be secured, whether it's like one at one filmmaking or uh-huh. it's all the stuff in tech or all the stuff in, in pharma that keeps getting subsidies, the, the car market, the electric market, all of these things exist. Why aren't there? Big question. Why aren't there people just looking to just give money to people who could do something with that money? There are mm-hmm. enough thousandaires, millionaires, enough banks who can easily afford to take the loss because the United States government has created an opportunity to get rid of that loss and foist it on your taxes. Mm-hmm. Why Why aren't – like I think that like – I mean if we wanted to see like a real influx on Maui, like let's have investor vacations. Let's go find like people from the mainland who got money and their community's fine. Bring them on out to Maui. Go, bro, you buy into this, you know? Like it's like I really think that we like need the next upgrade. Did you guys ever, ever uh, hear about the app Kiva? Mm-mm. Early early crowdfunding platform. Uh, Kiva was established as a way to help um, rural uh, Africans. Um, start their own businesses. So, like, say some dude wants to start a goat farm. Mm-hmm. $20 American will buy, like, three goats who can get it on. Oh. So then you give that guy enough money to go 
pick up some goats and start breeding goats. And then five months later, he pays you the $20 back because your $20 can go a really long way in a third world country. Yeah. So if you take people who are living in first world status and more or less in like a financial Malama Hanua fashion, go introduce them to another economy, mm-hmm. but not in a carpet bagging fashion. Just introduce them to the economy and go, look, you can invest here. There's all these things to do here. And no matter what, you're going to get your money back. Yeah. And it's just like when we we're talking about 181. Like, it's you fair. make more money if it's a flop, anyways. So, who cares? Why are all these investors like, there's nothing to invest in? These little guys, we're just cracking eggs by letting them loose. And it's like, dude, you, we have to do something to percolate the economy, you know? Yeah. And it's it, like somewhere in there, like, there, there has to be a way of connecting small businesses with. One, the people who could get them off the ground. Two, the people who can put money in their hands. And three, a government that could teach them how to do business correctly. Because that's half of you know what we live in is a capitalism. And teach why aren't our communities teaching conscious capitalism? So small and big businesses can take on the cost of living and we don't have to subsidize them anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that was pretty deep i kind of went nuts there and you know what we need to take a break we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the happenings of the fun stuff we're gonna escape after these messages it doesn't matter what you were wearing what you were drinking or what you agreed to in the past Sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Remember, it's not your fault. We're back, and uh, man, what a what a back it's been. Uh, long morning here, folks. Uh, a lot to comprehend. I know the light, the world, crazy place. So let's escape from it. Let's escape from it, Sarah. Let's escape. What? Take me somewhere beautiful, Calgon. Take me away. What's going on? What do you got to tell me? Well, we're gonna go to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. Today. All right, you already we're got. What? No! I wanted to escape. I didn't want to be reminded that reality is a cruel mistress. All right, well, tell me anyways. Dreams come true, but dreams are also crushed. Because, um, so do you know the the attraction, um, sorry, let me just find it right here, the Spirit of Aloha dinner show. And I'm asking you because I know you've worked at Disney before, so you probably know this show very well, don't you? So, uh, I worked at the Anaheim Park, uh, (laughs) dabbled in a little time over at Florida for some small segments here and there. Um, I did, I have seen the Spirit of Aloha show. Uh, it's cute. It's essentially like what if you, it's like taking like the Grand Luau you know, uh-huh. it's like going to Grand Luau, but then putting a little more Disney production value on it. Like, did you ever like, did you ever go to Disneyland and see like the Fantasyland medley thing? 
where they just do all the I songs have, together. Have, but anyways, so essentially it's it's like a review meets a meets an actual luau. Like there's a buffet, all you can eat, the whole nine yards. Um, to a degree, some things are very gentrified menu items just because like that's what people gonna eat because you're not expecting yep. like why waste the poi why waste the lomi lomi just, not gonna eat just it gonna be like, we're just gonna put some pineapples on some ham and call it a day because these honkies are gonna waste it if you give them otherwise so um yeah no interesting show fun um not surprised that it's being canceled they they kind of um when dinner shows hit a tenure with Disney, and I think the thing is, is like with all the expansions that they're doing, you know, they're kind of yeah. like they've invested so but much in Elani. I mean, fifty years. It's been going on for fifty. Yes, but you got to remember that when it was created, it was more of an abomination to the wine culture than it was a help. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure it absolutely was and offensive. I also think that it's kind of. It's kind of a better thing that it disappears and then that Polynesian Cultural Center kind of becomes a generic one. And then, like, yeah. Maybe, like, a new Polynesian. Maybe they're revamping the Polynesian. Maybe they've realized, you know what? We need to put some actual pig in here and stop doing this, like. No, 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 no. That's giving Disney way too much credit in a time where they've disappointed us way too much. So Mm. um, don't say that out loud because, in reality, Disney will probably replace it with another Star Wars land or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I really think it's okay because you know what? That brings enough shift to Aulani and then it makes it like, well, you want you want Disney and Hawaii at the same time? You gotta go to Hawaii. And then you can yeah. have Hawaiian Disneyland. Aulani. Yeah. Love Aulani. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, the only bone I have to pick with that is like that's one of like the only places that you can get a screening of the Olelo copy of uh, Moana. You know, you can't watch, you can't watch, there is a copy of Moana in the Hawaiian language, but you can only get it as an educational copy, and they do not have it on Disney+. Plus. Really? Yeah. You cannot, you cannot watch, go ahead and check it. You can get on Disney+, Plus. go check Moana, there is no Alelo section, but no Lelo copy exists. And, so, here's something I, I want you to do for me, because you know what? Kihei Library's got one. Kihei Library? I'm going to go to that library. Yep, go to that library, and then, yeah, we're going to check it out. We're going to check it out. Well, We will. And then, yeah. So it turns out, like, libraries are the only places who got them, but we're, we're going to have to check them out. Um, I have only seen pieces of it in passing because I wasn't a part of, like, the parties or the goings-on for those Moana screenings. Uh, I was around when uh, one one or two was happening, but then I was like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, private event. And I'm like, what? What? How do I not get to be a part of this? And then I was just like, it's going to be on Disney Plus later, right? It's going to be on Disney Plus later? Nope. Nope. Childhood ruined even more. Like, that would have made up for the fact that, like, so many, so many wrong things that Disney has wronged against Polynesians and the Hawaiian people specifically in their representation of us, all they had to do was just put that shit. Dude, Moana's already number two or number, like, Moana's number two only if something new premieres on Disney+. Plus. Did you know that? No. The streaming numbers on Disney+, Plus are so freaking high. So, Moana 
constantly sits at number one unless something else shows up. It is the most regularly watched Disney Plus title. Imagine what it would do to numbers if they put the Olelo copy on there. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's probably because of rights. Because that, I mean, because then, like, what, it, what, like, I I know enough Hawaiians who have seen it all the way through that they're like, bro, the Olelo version of Maui is so much better than The Rock. But then it's like, do you sell that to The Rock? And be like, no, oh, shit, you know? And then they paid The Rock all that money. And then they paid everybody to do that kind of, like, half, like, Little bits here and there, like, okay, let's put a little, oh, let's do a little pigeon, oh, let's do a little this, and it's like, okay, that's cute, but there's, like, an international copy that exists, so, like, I think, I think this whole Spirit Aloha thing's kind of an okay thing, because I think it's going to open, it's going to open more of a conversation towards Hawaii owning the narrative on their Mm -hmm. contribution to Disney, but speaking of positive contributions to Disney, uh, Miss Marvel trailer. Have you all seen the Miss Marvel trailer? Oh, I. Oh yeah. So good. I've seen it. Looks good. Sarah. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see it. I saw the trailer actually just a few hours ago, and there was a line in it that just like she said something about like you know it's, you think it was only a fantasy of like a brown girl being a superhero from Jersey, mm-hmm. you know? And like, yes, we got a little yeah. brown girl superhero. I love it. No, actually, I think she was more worried about the New Jersey part because nobody ever wanted a hero from New Jersey. No, we were we we were, we're fine with brown people being superheroes. No, no, no. we're tell yeah. No, I think that was filler. I think they were more worried about. New- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every everybody. No, no, we we. I I could wi- I wish we could say we're in a post racist world, so that way the most we can go is uh, silly New Jerseyans. Don't give them a job. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, love New Jersey. Don't bury me there. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, it really, uh, there, there were a lot of big remarks on it. I will have to say that because this is a character who was made specifically the way she was in the comics, there is nothing that the fanboys can complain about. Nothing. They can't. They can't, they can't, they can't go, oh, go get a white one. Oh, why are they doing this? This is pandering or something. Where did this character come from? Like Kamala Khan, for those of you who don't know, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is actually a girl who grows up idolizing the Avengers, particularly Captain Marvel, to the point where, like, like she cosplays as her. And then um, along the way, depending on the story arcs, in some cases it's a metagene enhancement, in other cases it's a mantle. She's got these cool bracers. And uh, it's kind of like a Shazam thing almost. And she is then empowered with, she gets scroll powers, which is like essentially like the bigger, like she could potentially be stronger than Captain Marvel if like she knew how to use the scroll energy correctly. Um, And so uh, her primary power is actually polymorphism. So she can, like, make her hand ten times size bigger and, like, smash things with it. It's not exactly like Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards because it actually has more kinetic oomph to it. So it's less like I'm going to, like, twist around you in a knot in a funny way. It's like I'm going to make giant karate chops and split you in half. Uh, And then it's, it's all revolving around a kid who overnight has powers and wants to contribute. And then, like... 
the Avengers are already gone. But how do we rebuild? You know, how do we rebuild when there's nothing to rebuild? And Kamala Khan kind of becomes the gateway to the next phase of the Marvel mythos. So even though she's not on the big screen, her story is actually going to have a huge effect because I feel that this is going to eventually play into the Hawkeye-verse that has been created now on Disney+. Plus, and now that we have uh, Defenders on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. and Matt Murdock showed up in Spider-Man, that means he's back. He is canon now. We are happy he's canon now. So, uh... So, yeah, so we get to see Charlie Cox again as uh, Daredevil, action sandwiching it up. And uh, so I think that crossover is going to happen, especially, like, with the finale of Hawkeye the way it was. There's going to there's gotta be a huge conspiracy that's going to bring all the Defenders back together, and then Kamala's going to go from the Defenders to the Avengers. I'm calling it right now. And then that's eventually, well, the only way that you're going to, like, get past the man at the end of the time at the end of universes and all that stuff that happened in Loki. Like, my bet's on Galactus. This is really just, we're going to open it. Like, it's either going to be, we're either going to get, like, some Cree Sentinel type of story, or we're just going to get Galactus. But that's where my money's at, because that's how I feel about the Miss Marvel trailer. Well, since uh, since we're still on Disney, it's kind of a Disney week. You know, last week was kind of an HBO week. This was kind of a Disney week. Turning Red came out. Did any of y'all see Turning Red? I haven't. Mm -hmm. What? I've not seen that yet. What? You guys need to go see it. Oh my God! It's on the Disney Plus. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful coming of age story about a young girl and changes in her life, and uh, she becomes a panda. Ah, everybody thought I was gonna say period, but uh, no, it kind of yeah. talks about you know. But that, the, here's the funny part: is the name is so on the nose. The dumb people are misinterpreting it. You know, I will tell you this. I've watched it. And the period conversation is not really about it because it gets interrupted by the plot of the film. Like, she doesn't actually, she doesn't get her period. She doesn't wear a pad. There's no conversation about that because everybody keeps embarrassing her because they think that, oh, my God, she's 13. It must be her period. No, folks. It's the fact that at when she develops as a woman, because her family has this ancient fucking superpower, she turns into a giant red panda. What? Yeah. So yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> so this is about a girl who's been bestowed a special power. It does, however, there's a lot of correlation with becoming a woman and going through yeah. your period. But they don't have to – They Disney does a really good job of not outrightly saying this is a period. They're like, these are all right. the weird things you go through. So the panda and the transformations, that's definitely her going through her womanhood. But yeah. the conversation surrounding it, I will have to say that from – Asia- so great. From you explaining it, this sounds so good for girls. It is. Well, and especially for Asian Pacific Islanders, because it there's a lot of rough convos in there. Like, I mean, I I I've grown up enough around Polynesian Asian women to know like your struggle is real out there, sisters. If you're listening, I know that like most of our moms just handed you maxi pads and went, anything else is from the devil. You know? And they're like, Whoa! Yeah. So, like, they even cover that in it. They even cover that in that. Her mom's like, you're going to use pads. And it's like, every, like everything, everyone in the room cringed when they heard that. Like, no, mom, I don't want stank fish. <laughs> oh, 
hilarious. Yeah. I so, this. yeah, it's totally worth it. Anybody who is complaining that uh, that it's 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 too on the nose or it's you know what? I mean, we have we have uh, nearly three years of children who should have got the birds and the bees talk from school, but they didn't get it because we had virtual teaching. I mean, we're going to like, I think we're actually going to like, that's going to cause real like Rona babies. That's going to have some repercussions. Yeah. We're yeah. Gonna we're going to see a micro generation come out of them. We're going to be like, Ooh, that was because of the COVID time. Yeah. He yeah. grew, up in, he grew up in the COVID time. And so he didn't get the birds and the bees talk because then his parents got even weirder during that time. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think turning red actually shows up at a perfect time. Like this is like, it creates a conversation in a household. It's a respectful uh-huh. way of having the conversation and it's adorable. And the representation is real. These are real <laughs> problems that a young girl goes through. These are especially from the perspective of a young Asian girl growing up uh, in you know, colonial mainland. And so, uh-huh. I mean, she's in Canada, but really, like, not a lot of difference on the way that they treat Asian people yeah. up there versus down here. So, like, it's, uh, yeah. I've seen extended clips of the film. I haven't seen the whole film altogether, but, um, like you, Kavika, I mean, I've been uh, around sort of like Asian culture enough to know that uh, the daughters are always expected and put upon more. Uh, than male members of the family. Um, there are, there has never been a accurate story about the relationship between Asian daughters and their mom. Oh, absolutely. And how, and, and how that can be just like a problem. So um, I'm really excited to sort of uh, see this. And, uh, and I also like sort of like the representation throughout. I mean, she's got like a diverse group of, friends that she hangs out with uh you know that are every color of the rainbow and the whole yeah the whole thing so it's good it was and it was a realistic story i mean you had best right. friends there's there's tamagotchis right. involved there's cd mixtapes uh-huh. there's there's even yeah. a boy band it's seriously like i felt like i was in high school star, right uh four yeah four st- four star four yeah, star, star but there's five guys in it. yeah but there's five guys in it yeah and so then uh you know so it's just like it took me back to like the nseek backstreet boy days you know, mm-hmm. I definitely got the feel for it. Wow. Uh, there was some really gushy moments in there. The aunties were hilarious. Really good choice on the casting for Tutu. Really good casting on the aunties. Um, and it was a very rich story. Like, it it covered their heritage and culture. And then it covered the why it's perceived the way it is. And the way that the conversations are had. So, like, yeah. 10 out of 10 on representation on this movie. Which is far better than I can say for things like... Uh, Frozen, you know, like Frozen yeah. too. They were like, "Oh yeah, this does great for indigenous first peoples, uh, uh, you know, of the north and all that." So I was like, "Just because you put two runes and you sang a half-ass song doesn't mean that." Like, no, I didn't learn anything about these people other than they're stuck in a fog and they've been fighting like the Hatfields and McCoys. Whereas, like Turning Red, you're like. This is the temple. This is where we come from. This is why our culture is the way this way. This is why my mom and I are the way we are. Because then, like, it actually, like, it portrays it. Because, like, a lot of people from the outside, they look at Polynesians and Asians. They're like, wow, your family's way too tight. And it's like, no, we got commitment, ride or die, bro. Like, I got shit I have to do even on days that I do not get along with my mama, but shit's got to get done. You know? 
and we eat that. We understand it. We know it. We, you know, we dish it out. So this story, the story has it in spades. I'm probably going to rewatch it again, but that's after I finally watch the Batman because I didn't watch the Batman last week, Sarah. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel so bad now. I don't feel so bad at all. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of feeling that like the longer I take this, it's kind of a buildup. It's they're like, no. what? He hasn't seen it yet. But then like people are like, ooh, ooh dodge the bullet. I'm not gonna hear a spoiler today. So you luck out again. All right. Maybe. For those of you listening at home, uh, you luck out again. I'm not spoiling Batman this week because I got adulting to do that got in the way. So maybe, maybe next week I'll get it. Yeah, I'll probably will because it'll probably be out of theaters the week after that if I don't get it soon. Even yeah, though it's I, like, I think. I do it I, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. It's my birthday month, so I treated myself and did it the right way. I took like a flask of uh, Basil Hayden with me. I had like a steak dinner before I went. Um, I think you'll like it. I, I, I would love to, you know, I'll, I'll love to hear sort of like what it is that you have to say about it. Uh, it's it's going to be good. You too, Sarah. I mean, maybe we can have you back on when we talk about it. Sure, 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 sure. And Sarah, I would, uh, I would encourage you to go see it too because. Uh, I don't know if you guys have talked about uh, Sarah's stunt acumen. She is a stunt woman as well as an actress. And I'll tell you, I don't know. I mean, we'd have to wait for a sort of like the behind the scenes sort of like documentary on what uh, Zoe Kravitz did. But my gosh, she put in a performance on that character that was so strong. They're already talking about doing even her either like her own separate series or her own set of movies. And um, that oh, franchise. My gosh, she looks good. That franchise is getting so many spinoffs. Like, it wasn't even a week into it being in theaters, and then they announced the Colin Farrell series. So, like, he's -hmm. he's getting a Penguin series on HBO Max, which is, like, perfect timing because the Batwoman series is about to end, and then most of the Flash universe is about to disappear. And then so, like, a lot of that whole CW, like... 90210 superhero phase that that dc's been on it's about to close out because i mean yeah no I more arrow you, you can't if you don't have Stephen amel mm-hmm. around you can't keep the Arrowverse alive so they're they're really gonna try to double down on the fact that they poached james gunn long enough to give a marvel level reboot to dc which dc regularly does throughout history like you go back to the comics age i mean back when Everybody was trading everybody around. Like, dude, the guy who who made the best Superman stories ended up becoming the COO of Marvel. Like, these, these guys mm-hmm. traded around all these companies. And that's really, like, I feel that, like, the artistic integrity of DC has always been there. Like, they have great artists. They have great inkers. They, they kind of know where to keep the story going after all these years. But they keep losing the best innovators to Disney and Marvel. Because, like, they're like, oh, but Disney's going to let me write Spider-Man. Why would I want to try to do the 15th Superman movie and have everybody hate me when you guys... No, sorry, I'm going to go write Spider-Man. You know? So, like, I can't... No, no, no I, I hear you, man. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think in that race between DC and Marvel, especially with these movies and how popular they've become... Um, I think the winners of those battles of who's going to go see the movie, who's going to make these films, you know, the next blockbuster has to do with the studio willing to take the dive and actually push the envelope. There's a great uh, story on uh, Huffington Post where they did an interview with Zoe Kravitz and she auditioned to be Batwoman in sort of like the Lasko round. And they told her she was too urban. 
Yeah. No, well, that's what they used to say. That's the way of saying you too brown for the role. Oh, man, man, you have to tell me. Wait, who are you talking to? Me and Sarah are from Chicago. You don't yeah. have to tell us. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, heard I get that it. Before. No, I get Yeah. Comes right after you're overqualified. What What do you mean I can't have the job? If I'm overqualified, why can't I have the job? I hear you, brother. But, but, but like, the thing is this. The thing is this is that the world is starting to come around to that. And unfortunately, until the studios actually see the money coming in, they're not from these kind of things. They they're won't. just like, you know, you're because they're not they're not advertising it to be successful. Like it's going to get greenlit, but as long as they have Guggenheim and Berlanti sitting at the end of the production line for all these shows, I don't see them going anywhere. So like, please like what? that's that's the problem is that like look at like look at Black Lightning. Black Lightning went through the most turbulent freaking existence. Because it constantly, like, I admired the fact that they wanted to try to shoot it in Atlanta, so it was in black Hollywood. But then white Hollywood just, like, abandoned it. They left it at its post, and they just, like, walked away from it regularly. So there was never any continuity with the rest of the CW-verse. And so if that transfers into HBO in any way, which I hope it doesn't, but the thing is, is right now we're riding high on DC one-shots. Like, and those one-shots are being put on by people who are not going to be in the production long haul with HBO, Warner Brothers, DC. Like, James Gunn is going to have to go back to Marvel eventually. There's no way that they're going to take him away. I mean, we're lucky we got Peacemaker, but I'm sure they're going to turn around after the third Guardians volume and be like, bro, we got, you're going to save the next phase. Like, write us Galactus. You know, it's like, and he got, he got to write Starro, the Conqueror for Suicide Squad 2. So that's kind of like the best thing that you can do for DC is activate an IP that like nobody could have ever done. But like, that's a mic drop that nobody's going to ever repeat. Because if a crazy kid shows up in Hall H at Comic-Con and goes, you know, it'd be a great idea. Do a Starro Suicide Squad story. And be like, shut up, kid. You're drunk on power. Go away. James Gunn shows up and goes, you know what, guys? Starro. Oh fuck yeah, James Gunn, great idea. You know, so it's like there's there the fans the fans have been screaming for what they want from DC for a long time, but every time DC responds with, ah, you know what, we could just go back to the beginning of Batman. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning of Batman. That's our safe <laughs> space. And then we've gone so much back to the beginning of Batman that Michael Keaton's coming back. Yeah. Hey, bro, I, I appreciate everything you're saying. You were right on target. And when it kind of comes down to it, when it comes to being a single brand, when it comes to just being a Sarah Rodriguez, when it comes to just being a Zoe Kravitz, what you have to do is you have to play the cards that are dealt you, and then you have to go and do your own thing. Now, I'm going to drop a name right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I'll beep but, it if it's know, allowed to. For the people... Yeah, yeah. It'd be. I just got off a job working a week with Viola Davis. Viola Davis just came back from South Africa after, like, I don't know, like about a week ago. She got three days off, and then she had to come out here to go uh, do a um, interview with Oprah. She produced uh, this amazing uh, story about the female tribe of African women that the 
Dora Milaje are based on. I'm almost positive that yeah. that's what they're based on. And it's called, uh, I believe, the the war, like the female king or something like that. But anyway, you know, she's gone down there. She's got her own production company. She's doing like her own thing. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, wait. Are they doing like a yeah. Ya Sante Wa story or something? Uh, and you know what? I I don't know the name of what the tribe is, but it's um, – Is it about the last oh, word, Queen? Um, uh, yes. It's, yes. It's about the last word, Queen, and, you know, they there was a huge sort of like power grab that kind of happened, and then she and She her, was the real Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. yeah. She was She was dope. Super dope. Like Ireland talks about Boudica. Africa has a, has Yasantawa, and she she was like this was before like Islam invaded and then suppressed females. This was before Christianity came in and suppressed females. Like they these these women are so renowned that like even the Zamorans of the Green Lantern mythos are based on them, and they there are a huge part of early civilizations in Africa and seriously if it weren't for the meddling of colonialism she probably would have continued on to build a great empire but Viola Davis Viola Davis is always getting cooler and cooler quite frankly uh she uh she does a bomb job at uh at uh Suicide Squad I seriously like when they announced her as Amanda Waller, I just about shit a brick because I was just like, I know they're not going to get CCH Pounder. Because for those of you that don't know, CCH Pounder was the voice of Amanda Waller in all the animated television. So, like, when you heard Mark Hamill and you went, oh, Mark Hamill's the Joker in Batman the Animated Series, you would also go, oh, shit, I just heard CCH Pounder's voice. Amanda Waller's walking in, the most deadliest woman without superpowers in the universe. Don't fuck with that woman. And the gravitas at which... CCH Pounder put on Amanda Waller. I was like, that's big shoes to fill. Like she's always like she's always gonna be my favorite. Like she's always gonna be my number one Amanda Waller. But Viola Davis, what she did for the character and how she carried it, and it just people do not give the character of Amanda Waller enough credit in the DC mythos. Like I would watch a show that's just about her. Like the things she's done. To superheroes like she doesn't have any powers and she's managed to like cuck superman fucking uh she took batman's dna erased another guy's dna and then put batman's dna in that guy just to make a new batman to save the world because batman was getting old that's how crazy amanda waller has gotten in the dc mythos and that's just like that's like tippity iceberg like go back netflix or like on on dc universe or whatever Go watch Justice League Unlimited on HBO Max, like the the old the OG ones. Um, like half of the episodes are political episodes between Amanda Waller and the Justice League, and it's like, how yeah. do you fight this whole? It's the DoD versus Superman. It's like action comics level stories. I really dug them. It was probably like that. If we could get a Justice League like that on television, heck, man, give me see. Now I'm just getting excited about things I can't have. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, well, well uh, my, my, my main point, my main point in mentioning her was this, is that I had a really great conversation, not only with, but mostly with her husband, 
wonderful guy, wonderful guy. We got into it. We, we, we started talking really deep, Harry, about sort of like, uh, you know, the studio sort of like an actor sort of like uh, dynamic. And this goes back to just a, a point I, I wanted to make is that the studio is going to help themselves out before they help you out. No matter whether they give you a break or whether they are perceived to make this diverse or whatever it is, what the actor does as a brand after that, that's on them. You got to know that, you know, this this movie that Viola wanted to do about, uh, you know, this, this tribe of women in Africa was not something that Paramount wanted to do, not something, you know, that these other places wanted to do. So she started her own production company. She had the money. She went ahead and she did it. Now, I think, I don't know for a fact what big names uh, in studio and money's got behind it, but she's built up her reputation where she's a safe bet. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, so, so uh, what I will say is that, yeah, you know, these studios and stuff like these Marvel big movies and stuff like that, you know, they're going to be what they're going to be because they're going to be, you know, they, they operate under a dictate of studio and money, but people who are able to create these characters and get away and then go off and like they're on the sky's the limit then. Absolutely. No, I mean, but I, I think, you know, we really need to take the time to remind younger actors that, like, you have to keep the legacy of your career in mind so you can be prepared to do things like this. Um, I also think that, like, in the um, just in the full spectrum of your career, there's not there's not always an opportunity to just be able to, like, go out on a limb like that. But I think now more than ever. Like, we should be pushing people to fly like that. Because, like, going back to your point that you made of, like, a studio is not going to touch that because of the numbers. But to go back to a point made from earlier, it's like, these numbers are bullshit. You're dealing with ten people in a room who've decided what the numbers are because the conversions are terrible now. Like, box office returns, like, holistically, if you look at the returns and you actually added inflation to box office numbers from ten years ago, Hollywood's not doing so well. It's hemorrhaging cash, and it's wasting it in all the wrong places. So I think that, like, Viola is bound to gain something more than what a studio would have given her had she gotten a big studio to do it with her. It's better for her career. It's better for the story. Because then that's the best part is the integrity of the story is kept. Because what happens to a story when corporate television gets a hold of it? So how much of that would have been sanitized because they don't want to? Because they don't want to talk about all that. You know, at what point in time does a Yasantiwa story become a Boudicca story instead? And the next thing you know, we're all showing up to the hills of Ireland and we're like, didn't we sign up for a different movie like this? I got a question for the both of you. I got a question for the both of you because Sarah is a budding sort of starlet, ingenue, action star, drama, whatever. I say that because both Kavika and I have both been on set and actually seen this 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 woman do her stuff. Uh, I'm a huge, you know, cheerleader for for Sarah. She knows that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've got like an altar built to you. I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling in front of right now. I'll talk, I'll talk about that later. I'm running out of goats, so if anybody has any goats, send them my way because you know. No, anyway. But, I know a guy on Kiva. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a great I heard a great interview the other day uh, with of uh, Dizos and Miro, who are two of my favorite guys interviewing and talking to Denzel Washington about Tragedy of Macbeth. 
and a bunch of other things sort of like in, involved. One of the things, Sarah, that they spoke about or that they asked him about, he said, uh, um, they said, you know, Denzel, you're, you're not on, you're not on social media. Everybody's going to, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, challenge that you're an OG and everybody knows you, but you know, there are a lot of OG guys who are actors who are also out there doing sort of like big profile films, yet you don't partake in any of that. What's what's your take on sort of social media and actors and actresses sort of like in today's environment? And he thought about it and he was just like, you know what? He was just like, at the end of the day, the brand of any actor is to just be good. He's just like, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not sort of like knocking any like sort of side hustle or like whatever and this, this, this. But I'm a big proponent of that idea that if you're out there in front of people on one sort of, you know, uh, channel and people are seeing every single aspect of like what it is you're doing. He's just like, you know, and maybe it's just me. I'm old school. I don't do that. But. Uh, you know, that's sort of like, you know, kind of like my thing. Now, I thought about that and I was just like, well, you know, that might be easy for, you know, for, for any male actor, I'm going to say for any male actor to say they don't have to be out there sort of like doing TikTok videos and dancing and, you know, sort of like doing all these other kind of things. But it's a completely different thing for women. Um, Sarah, I would love to hear what you think about that. I mean, I, 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 I can see it where he's coming from. Um, you know, like, how can I word this? Because I see how you can be almost rep- representing yourself as something different online, and you could be almost career, you know. But then again, yeah. you have to be out there at the same time, or else nobody knows you. So, as a woman, I do feel like I'm in a position where I have to. I have to really just be out there and show myself and be, you know, taking the pictures and telling people what I'm doing um, just to stay on top and be on people's minds. You know, I think everybody's just so flooded. And like, as an actor, I think, oh my God, these casting people are flooded with all of these people. I'm going to get lost in the mix if I'm not up there being like, hey, see me, see me, see me. So I think it's just a way of being like, I'm here too. I'm here too, because there's just so so much out there you don't want to get lost in the shuffle but I do see where he's coming from where it's like you just have to be good because let's the actress we've all just worked with you know Danny she's amazing she's phenomenal actress and she's not really on social media all that much but she's constantly working you know right because she's good and people know that when she is on set she delivers so I see where he's saying if you are already in the industry you can you know make a name for yourself but somebody that's not I think you almost have to be like look at me look at me look at me look at me and have to really present yourself you know to everyone right right and then Kavika I mean like you know you're you're a social media guru you you know it back and forth you know you understand sort of like all the technical aspects behind algorithms and stuff like that is it something for uh, young filmmakers and young producers and directors and people who are trying to like build something, is it smarter just to go specifically with a face on Instagram who has a huge following because then you can sort of bank on that later on? Or do you find someone that you then sort of say build into that uh, and, and teach them sort of like what it is to do to help 
sell the movie. Well, I'm going to destroy the concept of the answer because this goes into a lot of stuff that I actually like. I've been working on how to how to spread that that knowledge to other people, and I'm going to use uh, early 2000s Denzel against your current date Denzel, and I'm going to quote younger Denzel and saying that it has nothing to do with talent, has everything to do with position. Because young Denzel knew very well that his success was dependent upon Oscar noms. And he made it a point to seduce the Oscar committee. And he's regularly been quoted so in the press and in interviews as know that game. So he knew very well as a young man that if you're, if you can deliver and you aren't a handful on set and then you go and... Uh, give out hand jibbers at the Hojo once everybody uh, lands in LA for the Oscar committee and you get them noms, noms lead to more work. And there's a certain point where it doesn't matter if you're the goat anymore because just being the goat gets you work to be the goat again. So, <laughs> yes, to a degree, I believe that he... Playing the game, just not in the Instagram kind of world. Yeah, world. no, exactly. His conversion was... His conversion was 18 people, 20 people or whatever, whatever the, the Oscar committee was at the time, every time that he went in. So, like, and the Oscar committee doesn't really change sizes that often. So everybody's got to play the game just to get their way in then, huh? And what's an easier conversion, making your way towards 20 people or trying to get 20 million followers? Mm-hmm. So it's all about positioning. So he hyper-positioned himself and he, is, he has gravitas. He is an amazing actor. Like, I could get a lot. Like, and the thing is, is, like, he has Denzel style. Like, and I say that in a way because, like, there are actors that, yes, like, when you see them, they're like, oh, he's playing Denzel. But it's like, nobody can play Denzel but Denzel. So there are, like, when you see those certain mannerisms that come out of him, no matter what character it is, because that's his thing to do, you're like, we're about to go on a ride right now. Like I will have to say, Man on Fire is still one of my most favorites, and that's really just oh, an action romp. So have, have, have either of you guys seen Tragedy of Macbeth yet? I have not sat down and watched it yet, but I've kind of been like uh, holding off on most of my Apple TV Plus viewing. I still haven't even gotten through Dune or Foundation or any of the other things. Oh, I, I did, I did oh watch. Uh, no, but I, I watched the Tom Hanks movie. That was the only thing I made space for. I, wa- I watched which the, one? Which one was that one? Well, actually, I which watched both. I watched both. So they Greyhound? had the, the Greyhound. Gray, yeah, I watched Greyhound, Greyhound, and that was good. I am not a war movie oh, person. But it was and, so yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Good. You, you, you. But then the futuristic really, one was really, better. Really busy because that was a while ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. But no, no man. And then I the one with him and the robot. Yeah, I watched, and then I watched the one with him and the robot. But I will have to say this, okay? So from the social media conversation perspective, okay? So. Um, positioning yourself and being relevant is a very intensive game and not most people are equipped for it. Like whether you're a small business, whether you're an actor, whether you, whoever, whatever you want to be the goat of, cause in my line of work, a widget's a widget's a widget. So it, it really like, let's just strike aside Denzel. Let's strike aside that. Let's just how, how to be the goat. And using social media uh, uh, to your advantage to be the goat, and it's really it's a lot of practice and dedication. It's a lot of time that people don't want to think about. Like people do not think about like the difference between posting live and planning out your post seventy five days in advance. 
Because, well, why don't I just do it right now? And then it's like, well, those one minute stack up. If you sat down for 35 minutes right now, we could crack out 80 days worth of content instead of you wasting 20 hours doing one minute here, one minute there, taking time for yourself, taking time. And then the other thing is like, and this is why I'm I'm transitioning away from, from client-based work and I'm just focusing on my own brand. Not only because there's an inflation and a vacuum of, of social media gurus now because everybody's offering get-rich-quick promises. I, the, the biggest thing that made me want to step away from it all was that there is no, there's no commitment to understanding. And everybody just Copy. wants to do their own Copy thing. And, the, and, that's, oh, yeah. and, and it goes back to what I said earlier about reading the pamphlet, reading the manual. Yes, yeah. you can use it to get out there, yeah. but like, here's the crazy part. Like, and this is why at the end of the day, the Denzel method is still better than the social media method because, or the Danny method because they make impacting relationships with people that are critical to their place in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And then they're also real very well question. aware of their yeah. position. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say real quick question, Kavi. Do you think do you think that for an actor and actress instead of doing all of these TikToks sort of like dance challenges like whatever, would their time be better spent maybe doing snippets of monologues of a character that they've created themselves? over time or it know, depends really on what they want to like sell showcasing it depends right. on what they want to sell yeah. so like say case right. in point you want to be an action star i'd focus on your stunt work Maybe you can mix i wouldn't i would not right. even worry about right. like you saying a line i would just worry about your stunt stuff i mean if put you put together an incredible three minute stunt scene yeah breakaway glass exactly people, well and i think shit. the thing is is like that would what, do more that would do more right you what well and so here's the other thing is is that you want to be an actor, create your content to sell yourself as an actor. Don't go out and do yeah. the silly dance videos yeah. because that's an right. influencer. If you want to occasionally right. influence and be a meme lord or a shit poster or a reposter, right. that's fine. I right. personally, my page when it's in its downtime just to keep everybody busy, I have a firm like maintaining grasp of like shit posting memes that I know my audience will like just to keep them engaged. But realistically, I only save those for times where I'm taking a break and I don't have enough time to focus on like just me as a brand because like I'm focusing on the podcast or I'm helping Sarah out or I'm like, you know, trying to get a movie going. And so what, what I think that people really need to take a step back and look at, okay, so I'm an actor and I'm trying to sell myself as an actor on social media well, the biggest way to show you're the GOAT is to do things people can't do. So if you're going right. out and doing every dance challenge, you're doing what everybody else is already doing. That, and I'm not really a huge fan of TikTok. I think it's a pretty big waste of air, especially out of the fact that, like, black creators made a huge community out of it, and then white America's privilege stole it from them. Like, all the, like, it's seriously white appropriation yep. of black TikTok it's got to be the most. Make a metaverse. Yeah. And yeah. Make Look at Chad Hudson. Look at Chad Huddy. All right. His Lord whole Black Murray. King fucking routine, all that bullshit that he did for Burger King. Like, that guy is only famous because he watched enough Black TikTok and he went, I can impersonate this. But yep, indeed, bro. But I think that there's there's a lot more that could be covered. This I'd love to actually talk more about. Uh, what we could do for actors, with actors, you know, how to talk about presence online. I think that's a subject to cover regularly. I, I think that there's 
way too much in keeping up with the Joneses, and people don't realize that you're your own brand. So what's working for someone to get 6 million views may not be what works for you to get 6 million views. So focus on your craft. And now more than ever, brands do not care about the number of followers you have. Like a real brand knows what your conversion value is. A real brand knows that when they look at you and they go, oh, Sarah may only have this many followers, but guess what happens when Sarah posts? All those followers do something. Whereas how many Uh, kids have 20,000 followers and it may be getting them casted, but is it paying their bills in the in-between? Are they getting, are they? I would like to make a live proposal on, on, on this podcast. I think that one, uh, because you, you're hitting every single point, Kavika. And I think the problem is, is that actors and actresses don't understand the marketplace and they don't understand initially how to position themselves as artists. So I think it opens up a great conversation for you to have to any of the freelance artists or, uh, you know, whether you're a singer or whether you're uh, an actor or an actress to reach out to this guy through whatever uh, vehicle he makes. And dude, you should help people figure that out and be a consulting service for that. Because that is, I think, you know, you'd be serving the community. You'd be serving your listeners. Uh, I mean, I know you got a lot of creative peak types out there and, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to push you into anything. No, you don't no, want to no. Do, I, 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 I think personally, you are so you, you could really, really slam dunk that kind of yeah. thing. And well, and I think are, like slowly doing that, like you're kind of taking slowly, you know. Yeah. Well, and quite frankly, like I think that if I if I was to do anything like that, it would have to be like a work group mentality. Um, I've really gotten tired of one-on-ones because it's, I hear the same stuff again and again, and that's what disenfranchises me from it and makes it easy for me to slip away from a client sometimes because there's only so many times that you can say things on the first meeting and you get the same bad responses on the first meeting and then you get the same bad responses on the second meeting. And then you can't really like after the third time you bring up the way you want to do something and they don't want to do it. They're, they're, the only way to get around that is monkey see monkey do. It goes back to one of the most important statistics and one of the other things I will say to get around that is you need to have some kind of a qualifier. You know, before you meet with somebody, you take them on as a client, you're like, hey, look. Oh, no, no, that's a waste of my time and their time. I got to tell you this, it's it's the keeping up with the Joneses factor to push them yeah, to do it. make it worth your time. Yeah. Make it worth your time, you know, charge a real rate for it. I'm not talking about sort of like taking people who are just like right out of school, but like, you know, people who have been in the industry, maybe like did like one movie and they're just like, wow, you know, I'm not getting called and I don't know, you know, what is this, you know, what am I missing out? That would so, have to be a know, group workshop. Um, yeah, I'll yeah, just put that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it would be better as a group workshop. <laughs> I, quite frankly, like one-on-ones, un- unless it's someone that's extremely open-minded. Like, case in point, Sarah. Sarah, like, Sarah only had to see, like, two weeks of just like, hey, like, this is what it does. This is how it do. And then she got it. Like, she's still trying to onboard herself to certain other things. But I feel that, like, a lot of it just comes from the fact of, like, you have to sit there. You have to engage with the numbers. You have to take the time with it. Realistically, if I was to do something like that, I mean, it has to be a group project. Because Monkey See, Monkey Do does far better than keeping up with the Joneses. That's proved in every major advertising statistic. Sure. And, 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 and but, but one of, and Sarah, let me hear from you on this. One of the most maddening things for artists like yourself is you just don't have any direction. You're just out yeah. there by yourself. 
Yeah. Now you have an agent. Well, big deal. You know, how do I utilize that agent, right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> A misconception of an agent and a manager. An agent, they're just going to submit you. Like, yep. they're not really holding... Thank you. They're a middleman. You can represent yourself now. They're an unnecessary part of the industry, just like a distro agent. There, there are two people right now that I would cut out of the industry immediately to save our economy, and that's the distribution agent or the aggregator and the agent. A manager can stick around because they have useful value, but in a lot of cases, an agent is just some guy who walks a paper to the other side of the room or sends a fax and then gets 10% for it, especially in the digital age of casting. Yeah, Sarah, I'm sure you've had to like deal with so many situations like that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, like, I started when I was 16 years old. I quit school, and I was literally like, I'm going to be an actress, got a full-time job, and I just started going to auditions. And I literally, yeah, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I got an agent, and I thought, that's it. I made it. I got myself an agent. I didn't get booked not one time, not a single time. I, I didn't know what to do. And I actually, as a young actress, I got myself in really like situations that I should not have been in because I didn't have anybody watching me, directing me, saying, you know what, don't go here. That's that's not a, a credible, you know, production company or this is not a good ad to go to. So it's a very scary place, I think, especially for younger artists because they just don't know where to go. And there's so much, I mean, there's, there's a lot of bad situations that you can get in in this industry. Oh, yes, we got it especially as a young woman and being taken advantage of and put in vulnerable situations. So um, now like that I've lived through it, like I have a little bit more direction, but I'm still kind of just like, let's see if this works. Let's see if I do this and I land a role. And just yeah. now I'm starting to realize it really is a networking game. And oh, it yeah. really it really is all about your connections and and nurturing those connections when you can and um, working with people, you know, that have solid um, integrity, you know, and, and trying to continue yeah. to work with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 100%. but in there, I think that's the hardest part is just finding your people, you yep. know, finding people like, like you guys. Like, it took me forever. I've been on Maui for for a very, very long time, and I'm just now finding people that are like-minded like me. But before, I was like, is there any other actors even on Maui? I don't even think anybody does film on Maui. Like, <laughs> I, I, oh. Well, once people find their cliques, they keep them private. And then even if their cliques are toxic, they want to maintain them because then if everybody, anybody leaves them, then they don't have anybody left. And yeah. so we've kind of gotten to this yeah. era of where – where the, the best parts of capitalism have left the business of, of filmmaking and networking and the lazier parts of just closing off communities like this internal nationalism of production companies that just like, oh, these are my guys. And we only do – it's like that's cute when it's like a Kevin Smith movie to be like, hey, my guys, we're going to make a movie. But then it's a whole nother thing when like – you slave drive them for like years on end. So like, and then there's just this insulated echo chamber. And I think that that's why like for a while you didn't run into people because like how many people want to invite you into something that's that crazy? Do you really want it? No, probably don't, you know, but then at the same time, you're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent. The thing that I will say, having moved here from New York, from Chicago, 
from Spain, from, you know, all these different sort of like major different markets is that the networking sort of menagerie and sort of what's there is completely different here on island than it is in any of those places um, that I just mentioned. For instance, I, I, well, I, I used to be, I still am a photographer. When I was in New York, you could go any bar in New York and sit there and order a beer and sit there and him and haw about what a-holes the people at Vogue are. And there'll be seven people at a bar and then you all start talking. You can throw a rock and, you know, you can hit a photographer in a larger market. But here, it's a little different. You know, there there are little pockets and people do sort of like what it is that they can do. And I think we would have to sort of, you know, we'll probably know more at the end of next year after we sort of like complete kind of like that big sort of like casting thing that we have going on. I think people really get introduced to acting if they're not kids through school or, you know, they're messing around with like other friends kind of like making videos and stuff like that. But I mean, um, you know, Sarah, you come from, you know, uh, you know, you've studied, you, you know, you've come from Chicago, you, you know, you around and, uh, and worked on different things before you got here, but I'm really interested in, and I think I know every, I mean, you know, we have a very small ish community here, but I'm really excited to try to, you know, with, with what Kavika has sort of like put in motion and Sarah, I mean, like you've been involved obviously long time, uh, coming on, on all these different projects that are happening. I mean, I'm really hungry and I'm interested in see, seeing new talent that we can actually find and really help move to like either like the next level, uh, you know, with us uh, and, and or, you know, sort of like outside of like what it is that we're all doing. Couldn't have said it better, yeah. sir. Couldn't have said it better. And I think on that note, like we're definitely going to have to call you back. We're going to have to talk about this more often. We're definitely going to have to wrap about like all these ancillary things that we're going to have to introduce to the community and help build this. Uh, it's definitely going to have yes, to yes. be a mission of part of this podcast and the production company. Um, thank you, Brad, for – Wow, just everything you've shared with us today. Uh, you just changed the episode by showing up today, man. Appreciate it. Love you, brother. Um, you got it, man. Anytime. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So with that being said, we'd like to thank you for joining us this Sunday for another amazing episode. Sarah, before we go, anything to say to everyone? No, just thanks again for tuning in. And we have a really great episode um, scheduled for next week for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Once again, Brad Starks, everyone, Sarah Rodriguez, and this is Kaviga Hoax saying aloha. Bye. Aloha. Rabbit Holes is a Manavacal production. This episode was produced by Kaviga Hoax and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.